How do we live in the last days? Well, I want you to go now to our focal text this morning, which is the book of Jude. Now, if you don't know where the book of Jude is, go to the last book of the Bible, which is just before your concordance. Go to the book of Revelation and back up one more book, and you'll actually be in the book of Jude. It only has one chapter, and yet it speaks more strongly and succinctly about facing apostasy, rebellion in the end times than any other book in the Bible. Jude, who wrote this particular book, is the half-brother of Jesus. He wasn't a believer in the beginning, but he later came to faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Probably was written somewhere between 67 and 80 AD. Don't know the exact congregation he was writing to, but there was obviously issues that were going on that were troubling to him. John MacArthur writes, Jude lived at a time when Christianity was under severe political attack from Rome and aggressive spiritual infiltration from Gnostic-like apostles and libertines who sowed abundant seed for a gigantic harvest of doctrinal error. Now, the, the Gnostics were the ones that said they had a special knowledge that they really understood what was going on. And certainly there are those people today that would say that. But he goes on to say, John MacArthur, except for John, who lived at the close of the century, all the other apostles had been martyred, and Christianity was thought to be extremely vulnerable. Wow, that statement could be written of our society today, couldn't it? that Christianity is extremely vulnerable at this season and this time. So how do we live in the last days and the last times? Well, Jude is going to give us two keys in this simple little book. And first of all, we contend for the faith. We contend for the faith. We'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Jude a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, that is, when Jude started the letter, what he really wanted to do was talk about the glory of salvation. He really wanted to talk about the marvel of Jesus Christ and what he had done for us, how he came and died on the cross for our sins, and now through him we can receive new life and have a right relationship with God and talk about the glory of God. That's what he wanted. But there was a crisis that had arisen, and he says, now, I found it necessary in verse 3, to write appealing to you to contend, to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. I want to talk about salvation. I want to talk about the gospel. But Jude says, I've got to change things because there is a crisis 
that has arisen, and I need to speak to that, and that is to call for the people of God to contend for the faith. And so the whole tenor, the whole temperature of this particular letter changed because the word contend was the word that was used of the wrestler in the Greek arena. He would literally contend for the match. We get our word agony out of this word, and certainly a wrestler agonizes as they contort their body, and they're contending for that winning place in that match there. He says that we're to have that same kind of intense effort. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight for the faith. Fight the good fight for the faith. In other words, we're called as believers to be engaged in a war. Now, I know we prefer passivism. We'd rather sit on the sidelines and ignore the conflict that is going around us, but there is a war to be fought. It is a war against apostasy and the false teaching and the false teachers, according to Jude. And Jude graphically describes these false teachers, and I want you to listen to it and think about our culture today. Verse 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you that all you, though you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example for undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's era and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you out fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees in Lake Autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Very graphic description of their emptiness. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand 
of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh, harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Wow. Very graphic language that Jude uses to describe these kind of people and what they really are doing. And I wish we had time this morning to really unpack that, but we don't uh, this morning. I hope you'll take some time to spend with it. But as you look at those words, you, you can see how we're living in those particular times. People that have turned away from the truth. Peter James Lee, one of the 60 Episcopal bishops who voted to approve the first homosexual gay man as Bishop of New Hampshire, was asked about his decision, and here's what he said. Quote, If you must make a choice between heresy and schism, schism being division, if you must make a choice between heresy and schism, always choose heresy. Heresy is rebelling against the faith. Brothers and sisters, we must never choose heresy. We must always stand for the faith. We must contend for the faith. And I want to offer three very practical ways that we do that this morning. Number one, we got to know the faith. And again, that could be a whole other series. It could be a whole other message. But we have to know our faith. We have to understand what we really believe about the Bible, about Jesus Christ, about God, about salvation, about us, who we are, about the world that we're living in, about the second coming. We need to know our faith so that we can identify the counterfeit. When they're teaching people to identify counterfeit money, they don't show them the fake money. They always teach them the true money. And they become so familiar, so locked in on what is true money that they can identify any counterfeit that comes around. Because you see, brothers and sisters, there will always be a new false teaching. There will always be a new false doctrine out there. And if we're trying to chase all of them down, we're going to constantly be chasing them down. We need to focus on knowing the truth. And if we know the truth, we'll know the error. Second of all, we must cherish the faith. Cherish the faith. We need to embrace this gospel and cherish it, love it. And then third of all, we must defend it. Peter wrote these words, but in your hearts, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It's great verses for us. As we think about defending the faith, it doesn't mean we get in people's faces. It doesn't mean we get into arguments. It doesn't mean we hold up placards ridiculing people. That's not what 
Peter is saying at all, and it's not what Jude is calling us to do to contend for the faith. It means, though, that we stand for the truth and we're able to defend it and we're able to explain it. So how do we live in the last times we contend for the faith? But then Jude gives us a second way, and that is we continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Look at verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt, and save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. First, we have to contend for the faith, but then we also have to continue in the faith. Joshua Harris broke on the scene in 1997 with a book that went on to sell 1.2 million copies. The title of the book was, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It made him a very popular speaker and author. Well, in July of 2019, he came out with his newest title, my title, I Kissed Christianity Goodbye. In his Instagram post, he wrote these words, the information that was left out of my announcement is that I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. Here's what he said, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian anymore. He's a whole high-profile case but he is not alone. The number of young people who are actively involved in church and their faith in high school that will leave the faith is alarming. According to Barner Research Group, the dropout rate has grown from 59% to 64% among people ages 18 to 29 after having been actively involved in church during their childhood and youth. That is 64%, and I believe it could really be higher than that will leave the faith. Someone very dear to me has chosen to embrace false teaching, and they have effectively apostatized. This was a person that had great potential and had a vision for being a witness for Christ in the political realm, but now they have turned away. But the good news is that there are those who continue in their faith, The president of Barna calls these folks resilient disciples. I like that. What we need today are resilient disciples. Resilient disciples in these last days. And Jude gives us the way to be those resilient disciples. It's the three R's, if you want to write them down. First of all, we have to remember. Because what he does in this book, in these verses, is he gives three commands. And the first one is remember. He says, but you must remember, beloved. Jude tells them to remember what the apostles said or foretold. It says, don't say you haven't been warned. What we're seeing and what we're experiencing shouldn't surprise us. 
We need to remember the words of those apostles. They told us, verse 18, that there would be scoffers. They told us that there would be sinful people living out their sinful desire, verse 18. That there would be separatists, people causing division. We certainly see that today, not only in churches, but in the political realm. They are sensualists, verse 19, living in the world, living for their sensual pleasures. And they are secularists because they're devoid of the Spirit. They may have PhDs at the end of their names. They may have the title of senator, congressman, Supreme Court justices. They may be famous Hollywood stars. They may be awesome musicians. They may be rich. They may be famous. They may be successful. They may be the nicest and most generous people in all of the world. But if they reject the faith, they are false teachers. And at the core of what they are, Jude is described for us. And so we got to remember that. We have to remember that we have to always be on our guard. There's never a time that we can let in. We have to learn to be critical thinkers and remember. Second of all, we got to remain. Know what he said in verse 20? He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, here's the command, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the command. Now he's going to share three things that help us keep or remain in the love of God. But he says that is the key to living in the last times, is that we remain in God's love. That is, we remain in the orb, the spirit of the love of God. And certainly that's a prophetic word for us today in these times that we need to be solid in God's love. We need to be firm in God's love. Well, how do we do that? Well, it gives us three very practical applications. First of all, we have to stay in the Word. Verse 20, building yourself up in your most holy faith. And the way we do that is the Word. Write down this verse, Acts 20, verse 32. Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. How are we built up? In the word. It's how we know the faith, but it's how we're built up. It's how we remain in in God's love. Jesus said it this way, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, we're in a relationship just like in your marriage relationship, there are boundaries. There are, if you want to use the word laws that govern your relationship, if it is going to be a wonderful, loving relationship, if you step outside the sanctity of your relationship and get involved in an adulterous relationship, that relationship is not going to be in a spirit or a sphere of love. So we stay in the Word. We get in His Word more than ever while we're sequestered at home. Spend time in the Word. Second of all, we pray in the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 20, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now this is more than just simply praying for Aunt Bessie's toenail that's about to fall off and she's asking everybody to pray for him. This is about serious prayer. This is about joining in and saying, Holy Spirit, what are you concerned about? What what are you concerned about right now as we walk through these days of the coronavirus? 
You know, people are praying, Lord, protect me from getting sick. Lord, protect me from getting sick. Or Lord, heal somebody I know from getting sick. And certainly we want to pray those prayers. But what about the bigger things of, Lord, what are you doing in this season of time? Is this a time that we should be praying for revival to come in our nation? And for people to return back to God, we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. And then third of all, wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, verse 21, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That refers to the second coming of Christ. You see, when we know that Jesus Christ may come at any time, that there's nothing really right now that has to happen before he could ever return, he could come before this day is over. He could come before this broadcast is over. So what does waiting for him do for us? It keeps us always in a posture of being right with him because we don't know when he may come. It, it causes us to step back and say, what am I doing with my life right now? Because he may come. And, and I'm always mindful of that, even in those moments when I fall or when I sin, that, you know, what if God came right now? Is this where I really want to be right now? And so waiting on the Lord gives that spirit of anticipation and awareness of his presence and that he may come. So we remember, we remain, and third of all, we reach. We reach. It's interesting in verses 22 through 23, Jude says to us that we're to be about reaching people. It would seem that what we should do is pull away. We should go to our monasteries or our convents. We should socially isolate and socially distance ourselves from any of these people that may be different from us. That's not what Jude says. He says we're to engage them and we're to reach them. And he talks about three different kinds of people. First of all, there are the doubters. Verse 22, have mercy on those who doubt. He says we're to be merciful and compassionate towards people that really have genuine questions. Genuine questions about life. Questions about faith. Questions about God. Certainly a lot of people that are wrestling with doubt right now as they try to come to grips with what's going on around them. And we just can't tell them, well, you just need to believe. You just need to trust. Sometimes we really do need to answer and we need to speak to the questions. I've dealt with so many people who have been turned away because they were told just to believe or if you don't believe, you're going to hell, which is true. But they needed to be treated mercifully because they have been misled by the greatest false teacher of all times, Satan. He is that false teacher, isn't he? And his goal is to lead people astray. And he'll use any vehicle that he will choose. So we have to be merciful to them. So we reach the, the doubting. Second of all, we reach the deceived. Verse 23, verse 8 says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. These people aren't doubting. They've just literally been deceived, and they're walking right into their own death. 
And he says, snatch them out of the fire. Jude ramps up his intensity here and says here that we're to rescue these people. We're to deliver them. How do we save them? By taking stronger measures. They're on the brink of destruction. They're dangling over the fires of hell, and there's no time for small talk or inconsequential questions and discussions. We need to drag them out. I think of the story in Genesis chapter 19 when the angels came to Lot and warned him that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, we need to get out of here. And Lot wasn't ready to go quite yet. And Genesis 19, verse 16, I'm reading from the message translation, said, Lot was dragging his feet. And so the angels grabbed Lot's arm and the arms of his wife and daughters, God was so merciful to them, and dragged them to safety outside the city. The angels who were sent by God to save Lot said, this is not a time right now for dilly-dallying around. This is not a time for dragging your feet. We've got to get out of here now. That's the kind of intensity we are to have for some people who are deceived. And then finally, the defiled. To others, verse 23b, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Once again, we're to show mercy, but there are some people we need to be very, very careful as we are rubbing shoulders. Because if we're not careful, we can get caught up in their era. They can drag us down. That's why dating evangelism doesn't usually work. Because what happens is we end up going away versus leading them from being astray. And we're to reach out to them, but we need to be guarded. We need to be very guarded. So this is not a time to back off from evangelism. It is the greatest time ever to engage in evangelism, especially right now, because people are are open to spiritual things. So are we living in the last days? Absolutely. They're dangerous. They're treacherous times. Jude says that if we're going to live in these last times, We must contend for the faith. And then second of all, we must continue in the faith. Now some of you, as you're watching this today, maybe you're gathered with family or maybe you randomly came across this site as you were just looking for something to watch on Sunday morning because you got tired of all the reruns (laughs) that are going on there. I want to close with a final word to you and a final warning to you because Jude was warning the believers, but there's also a warning for unbelievers, for those outside the faith. And that is, you may have chosen a path that seems good to you, but if it's not God's path, it's the way of death. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14 in the message says it this way, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, it heads straight to hell.
It seems harmless. It's what everybody else is doing, isn't it? It's what my friends are doing. It's what maybe my family is doing. It's what Hollywood is doing. It's what the guys with the PhDs and DDs on the end of their names are doing. And you say, I'll do that too. It seems harmless. But its end is the way of death. Don't be deceived by the world and its false teachers telling you that Christianity isn't true. Christianity isn't the only way. Christianity isn't the best life. Jesus, who is the truth, said this in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So who are you going to listen to? Jesus? Or all these others out there? Because you've got to ask the question, where are they getting their information? You see, there's only two sources of information. Jesus, the truth. Devil, the false. Who are you going to believe? Let's bow our heads for prayer. If you're sitting there at front of your computer. I, I do want you right now to just, just close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want to begin with a question for you this morning as you're sitting there. And it's an all-important one. Do you know for certain that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? We can't use the thing of, well, I, I belong to church or I go to church every Sunday. We can't say that. So if the Lord returned right now, you couldn't use that excuse. I want to know today, do you know for certain? Has there been a time in your life where you genuinely repented of your sins and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior? This is not a time to be playing games with eternity. If nothing else from this coronavirus, it's made us aware that life is very mortal. If you don't know for certain that you're going to heaven, if you have never really trusted Christ, would you pray a prayer with me this morning? Right where you are, dressed the way you are, sitting with whoever you are, in the quietness of your heart, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I am separated away from you. I know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. I ask you to take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. If you're watching and you already know the Lord, 
Are you contending for the faith? Are you continuing in the faith? Are you being faithful in these days more than ever? Lord, I pray for those that know you, that they will be ever strong, ever diligent, ever bold in their faith, reaching the people that they are able to reach for you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's going to be an email address that's going to appear on the screen, and you can send in an email if you made a decision this morning to accept Christ as your Savior, and someone will be in touch with you. Be sure you put your name and your phone number so we can reach you. Or if you have another need as a result of the message today, certainly feel free to do so. But as we close this morning, I want to finish with these words of benediction and doxology from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Have a wonderful day.